and then decided to move to LA together. And then while there, obviously, we lived in a house that's the, the biggest house in California. Um, it's 56,000 square feet of living space with an extra 17,000 square feet in the attic. So it's an absolute monster of a house. Um, so coming there and then started to see, I'm from the real world, and to see this new world of staff, everything like that. We started optimistically, and then it was learning literally every day how to keep a business running um, while you're not now in the same continent, uh, which is really difficult. Uh, and if, if I had known then how difficult it would have been, I would not have started the business, obviously. Don't go too big. Don't, don't, don't judge yourself on where you are. The world is not in a good place. And I think that's kind of, I have to keep reminding myself that. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspire Pod with myself, Kurung Kang. We bring you the best interviews with leading entrepreneurs and business people in their field. I'm personally excited by today's guest because he's the in the same sector as myself, which is recruitment. Having spent seven years working in agency in Sydney, Australia, before moving out to LA, he then uh, lived in one of California's largest homes, Manor in Holby Hills, which made him understand the need for staffing in luxury large homes. And this then led to him founding Staffing Properties. Today's guest is none other than Sam Palmer. Sam, how are you doing? You all right? Not too bad. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. No worries, mate. Good, good to have you on. Um, and for the guest audience who are looking on uh, YouTube, the background in, in your side is a lot better than what I've got here. So uh, at least it makes the YouTube look better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, we're, we're working from home today. So we're, uh, I'm actually just in my, in my uh, house at the moment. So I'm trying to hope that no kids run in and and distract us. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Um, so before we go into it, can you give a bit of a, a background from what led you, you know, from recruiting in Sydney to then moving out to LA uh, and setting up your current business, Staffing Properties? So I was, I was living in LA, um, recruiting there in the niche field, uh, sorry, in uh, Sydney, um, recruiting in the niche field, um, legal, in the legal sector. Um, I finished there in 2017 and obviously met Petra. Um, and then decided to move to LA together. Um, and then while there, obviously, we lived in a house that's the, the biggest house in California. Um, it's 56,000 square feet of living space with an extra 17,000 square feet in the attic. So it's an absolute monster of a house. Um, so coming there and then started to see, I'm from the real world, and to see this new world of staff, everything like that, um, and how it all worked fascinated me, to be honest with you. Um, and I got really involved in just, just watching, seeing how, how it is to run a house. It's almost like living in a hotel and then understanding how it all works. Um, so I got into that and then all of a sudden I started helping out with that and then decided, look, recruitment's where I want to be. It's my passion. Um, and this is the new niche I want to go in because it's something that I enjoy, um, something that I don't feel like I'm working at, but it's something that I live every day. So it's, uh, it's something that I'm always learning literally every day, something new. That's quality. So that's when we started staffing properties this year. Uh, sorry, back end of uh, beginning of last year. I forget what, what this year has now just blended into one. So it's a, <laughs> uh, it could be any month now. I don't know what month we're in January. <laughs> it's, a, it's like month 12 or so every day's a Sunday like during that. lockdown. So, oh, Groundhog Day since February of last year. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. So we started the business in the worst possible time to ever start a business. <laughs> And, and how did you find that setting up a new business during COVID, particularly recruitment, which is getting people jobs and, you know, jo jobs are falling? Well, January 2020, we started um, and I started very optimistic. Thought, wow, this is great. Got my team together. Just February, we're just about to um, get going. I, I'm, I've got staff. Then I am 
go to London to give birth to our daughter. I um, said, I'll be back in a couple of weeks um, and I'll see you all then. And that was February 2020. And I have been back to LA one month since then. <laughs> so it's been, we started optimistically and then it was learning literally every day how to keep a business running um, while you're not now in the same continent, uh, which is really difficult. Uh, and if, if I had known then how difficult it would have been, I would not have started the business, obviously. But we've learned a lot and we've adapted a lot. But it's, it's been challenging. That's great. And, and you mentioned adapting there. Like, have you, you know, how have you adapted and you know, have you pivoted or changed your business in any way during the last 12 months? Well, I suppose massively because our clients, it depends if they're very COVID observant. Um, some will want still full quarantine of staff, um, full lockdown of staff. So finding staff that will actually do that is so difficult. Um, dealing with clients as well with us, because it's a house, um, we've seen lots of people like ourselves have moved around this year. Um, so roles start and then they go on hold or they need something else now. It, it's constantly changing. Where you would usually in recruitment, you'd be frustrated by it. Um, you kind of just have to roll with it. Um, we, we sort of, the first few months, we just decided that let's not even think about earning money. Um, let's just try and save as many jobs as possible. And we locked our own staff down with us. Um, and it was just telling people, because the, the sort of knee-jerk reaction at the beginning of it, of it was, was let's get rid of all the staff around us and, and not have anyone around us. Obviously, when you're in a large home, that works for a week or two. Until then, you have to take care of the home. And it could be 20,000 plus square feet. And it's impossible. It's like running boutique hotels. All of a sudden, then people were like, I've got rid of all my staff and I need them. Now I need help. So it was, we, we saved a lot of jobs. I think we saved around 200 jobs at the beginning uh, of people of just saying, look, you don't need to get rid of people. Do what we've done. Do this. Implement these procedures. Do these checks, temperature checks. This was before we know now temperature checks, PPE, masks. This was before all that. This is when we were just learning. Um, so this was probably March until August time when it was all sort of everyone's learning every day. We're still learning now. We kind of all know the rules now, though, of what will keep us safe. Um, so that it was really just educating clients and candidates on that. So we, we've pivoted many different ways, really, every month of this business um, and to just keep it going um, really is, is really what we, what is the aim of it. Fair play. That's, that's good. And um, what, one thing I found was, you know, touch wood because I'm in renewable energy. There's a lot of investment going into it. Fortunately, it wasn't like, you know, manufacturing or construction where there was a loss of jobs, but it was still pretty tough on like new business development, like starting your new company, during COVID, how, how, how was you developing new business and bringing on new clients during that period? So I took a, that's, that's a really good question because mine, and this is good for people to know, because my uh, recruitment sector is obviously service industry, which is one of the hardest hit industries that's been out there. Yeah. Um, what you have and what I don't have is you have um, a HR department or a hiring department of any company that you can call. There's a phone book, it's on Google, you can call it. Mine is a house and there is no, there is no number. Um, so just to make it even harder, um, obviously, look, we're both into recruitment. So we know that if you wanted to start in recruitment today, you could just go say, right, I want to do accounting. You could call every firm that's got an accountant and see if they need any help. And you go and meet them and you go and do it. Mine is totally different. They almost have to find me. Um, so I went on, I took a very sort of early opinion with it of let's try and get as much press as possible. Um, and I went out there and I done things like what we're doing right now. Um, I looked at everyone else 
in, in different industries and saw what they were doing and thought, I like that. Let's do this. I watched a lot of, um, my main intro was Instagram lives. Um, I saw, um, a real estate group PR group called the society group doing it. And they basically, they interviewed all, uh, some of the biggest real estate agents in LA. Um, so Mikey is a real estate agents in LA because obviously they sell the homes and I started watching it. I started commenting on it. I then approached them and said, Hey, you need me on it. And they said, okay. And we done that. We then, uh, I had done one with David Parnes from million dollar listing, yeah. which the wall street journal contacted him to see if they could write an article on me and I spoke to them, we done an interview with them. And then with that other articles followed. Um, and then we got approached to do a TV show, which we're in, we're talking about at the moment. So really quite crazy. Really. When you think I've been operating the business and you've had a, an article in the wall street journal, it's probably about as good as it gets and a TV show and things like this. It's kind of crazy almost, but we're just having to go with it. It's kind of, all very new. Um, the company's still growing. The company's still finding its feet. Obviously, lockdowns, things like that has not helped it. So it is, it's hard, but yet on the outside world, it looks like we're a monster of a company, um, which I hope we will be and we, we do. But we service clients and, who are very happy and, and we try and give a very good service like most recruiters do. Um, so that's, that's really what we done a little bit different, but the press really did help us. I like how you spoke about like more of that marketing angle and being creative with business development, because within cold sales, it's usually phone bashing 50 to hundred calls a day, sales calls, etc. But I find like most of my opportunities and the work I'm doing now, clients are working are coming back from, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or referrals or, you know, work that I'm putting out there through podcasts, etc. What, what's your take on, you know, using marketing and, you know, these tools we have as opposed to traditional cold sales, um, you know, to win business and grow your company? Well, I was very lucky in Australia. I worked for a fantastic company called People to People. Um, and they, they have a silent owner there who is very well known in the uh, recruitment field called Greg Savage. He gives a lot of talks um, goes worldwide. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to one of his talks. So Greg Savage, I believe told, he gave a seminar to our company in, I'm going to say 2014, maybe where he talked about the social, social recruiter, um, the digital age it's coming. If you do not get with it, you're going to be last. I remember coming out of that, um, seminar and laughing saying what does this guy know i have to say if greg ever listens to this and i've told him this before he was so right and so forward thinking um that it's actually scary so, so a lot of the stuff that i do people to people as a company had already adapted in 2015 2014 as soon as greg gave that that seminar to the whole company, we all had our own personal Twitter, LinkedIn's. We then done a thing called video my job where you, every job you had, you videoed it, um, which I only see recruiters sort of semi doing now. Um, but for me, it's second nature because it's the way I've been taught. Um, so I'm very lucky of how I've been taught because I know these tools, if you're not using them, you are dead. Yeah. You are so far behind. It's, we all see now podcasters we, we were just speaking about before we come on air. I'm going to start my own podcast. Every single person should be doing something like this. Um, and I think we'll, I think actually now you've been doing it a while. I'm actually one of the late ones to podcast. Right. Really, YouTube, things like that. People have been doing it for a while. Um, and they've been reaping the benefits of it where other people haven't. So we're now coming into it because we're seeing other people doing it and going, this is good. Um, we've got information to give, but it's free. It's a free channel. It's kind of crazy when you think of it, that you're not doing it. 
Yeah, no, definitely agree. And, you know, I've personally seen the benefits and, um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because there are times when you're working in a sales environment and you do feel bad if you're not bashing the phone or, you know, 60, 70 calls. So, you know, when, when you see those benefits coming from different avenues, being creative, different touch points to your client it is, is definitely beneficial. And you, you spoke about Australia there. Uh, could you give us a bit of a background to, you know, the sorts of skills that you learn, you know, in your background, which have helped you now to set up and grow in your business. And, you know, like you said, even leave it in to potential opportunities like, you know, TV shows down the road. Yeah, as I say, I was very, very fortunate. I was taught in a very sort of high billing environment. Um, we had in our company at the time, $3 million billers, me being one of them. Um, so we, we were, we had very sort of high functioning teams. Um, we probably were the last of the old school. Um, what I mean with that is now companies are very HR regulated. There's lots of things and I'm not saying that's wrong or anything like that, but it was the last of the old school sales floor almost. Um, my boss didn't actually like that approach. He was again, forward thinking. Um, and, but we as recruiters thrived off it. The, there was some real top people there. Um, so we were working in an industry where it was very much, I want to beat you. Um, but we was ne you were never, ever allowed to cut corners where I was. Um, you would be fired for, for cutting corners, for lying, for promising things that you couldn't do, all things like this. So we were a very, very ethical company. And I'm glad I was taught that way because I know some people are taught, oh, we can do this, we can do that. And it's all rubbish. Um, we were taught very ethically. Um, but I'm, I'm by nature a temp consultant as well, which I love because I'm fast. So mine is, I've been taught speed wins. Um, so a lot of people can wait on roles and, and sort of there, but I'm glad I've got that sort of temp consultant mentality where it's fast, fast, fast. Yeah. I find that as well. Our, our group was very aggressive, like in a good way, like yeah. you know, completely on it, you know, maximum KPIs, etc. And And now, you know, a few years later, senior, the great wins I've had so far, that, that's when you really like appreciate it and say, I'm glad that I you know, had that training, put all those numbers in. Because, uh, yeah, like you say, a, a lot of people don't. And then when they go out into the real world, they, they can't handle, you know, having their own company or, or setting up after that. And did, did you ever think back then, you know, what you'd be having your own business? Was this part of your vision or, or your dreams? To be honest with you, yes. Um, I was, if I look back now, I am a very... I, I really enjoyed working for someone and in some ways because sort of we were very open in our company and I always said I wanted to do it myself and things like that and the boss sort of used to look and think mm, you won't because you like I, I suppose to describe myself I was that prick recruiter <laughs> in the office <laughs> that loved to let everyone know how good he was um, I obviously as a boss you cannot be that. Yeah. Um, so I've had to learn. I was very hands-on, didn't let anyone touch anything. I wanted to be involved in every step of the way. I had resources, things like that, that everything funneled through me. Now as a boss, what I've had to learn to do is let go, let people make mistakes. Um, it's very different. Is My natural instinct is to take over and just run the jobs and get it right. But I've had to lose some jobs to, to train other people, if you, if you know what I mean. And that bit, I, at the beginning of starting this company, actually probably in some ways where I haven't had to been, where I'm not there in the office every day and we're, not in, we're working from home, things like that, is probably helped me in a way grow as a boss because I have to let go a little bit. Um, so it has, it's helped mellow me that I can just trust someone that they're going to get on with it and, and things like that. But... Yeah, it's, uh, it is very different. And yes, I, I wanted to be the boss and thought I could do it better. Now I realize what a great company I actually worked for and a great boss before. I, I can see a lot of 
what I never appreciated at, at, at the time. Okay. And moving from, you know, being very hands-on, micromanaging um, on top of yeah. it, to now delegating and trusting your staff, how did you take those steps? I think by me being in England at the time and then being in LA, I had to. It's a different time zone. So they were working while I was asleep and then I was doing vice versa. So we actually worked out a great pattern because what we did is I would go through all the um, resumes and things like that in the day while they were asleep, filter, send, to then to call, things like that. So I'd set up their days for them before they got in. So actually I was still micromanaging and we actually worked out a great way of using the time difference of into our advantage. So obviously when other firms went in in the morning, they were then going through all the resumes. Well, we'd already done it in the middle of the night. So it was, it was great way of, of doing things actually. And it worked for us. Yeah. So we, we worked a bit smart. I'm, I'm very much of the, the way I've taught myself is don't work hard, work smart because I've seen so many recruiters, which used to frustrate me so much that it was so hard working, but take such a long way of doing things. And I'd say, why are you going A, B, C, D to Z? Why don't you just go A to Z? It's, it's the same, you're doing the same, but you're just cutting out a lot of process. But a lot of people like process. Yeah. And that working hard versus working smart. Uh, could you elaborate on that? Uh, the, the difference between the two? Yeah, I'll give you an example, um, which I, this one actually is probably the one thing that I was amazing at and people thought I was the best recruiter in the world, how quick I could find people. I knew as a temp consultant, I was in uh, competition with everyone else. So I had a system that done everything for me. Um, so I would create lists on my system. We use Salesforce at the time. Um, so, which I still think is probably the best system I've used, but we had sort of 14 years of it being built. So it was, it was exactly what we wanted it to do. But at the time I had lists built for everyone who was a, in legal, et cetera. Job comes in, I just go on there and I'd hit to my text button, the job very quickly in brief text, but I used to tell every candidate in interview, if you, are you okay with getting job, job updates via text? Yes, no problem. Okay, you can go on here. So I just put on there, job starts tomorrow, paying $28 an hour. Um, these are the hours, etc. Text back, yes, if interested, if not, ignore. I'd, and I'd hit. So while everyone else is now calling candidates, one by one saying, hello, are you available for work? Oh, answer phone. Hello, here's the message. Da, 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 da. I'd get back a list of six candidates who are yes. I'd look at them. I know them already because I do temp regular checks. Then I'd call the one that I know is great. Hello. Yeah. Can you start tomorrow? Yeah, no problem. I'm calling back the thing office. Yeah, they can start tomorrow. I've got this person here. I'm not even going to send the CV. This person's great. Okay, no problem. Yeah, okay, start them tomorrow. And that was it. And then I was the, the king of that. But I used to say to everyone else, and people used to think I was some sort of genius recruiter for doing it. They used to say, why don't you just do exactly what I do? Because you will, you will win. <laughs> yeah. I beat you because you're trying too hard. And these people, they just wouldn't take advice, a lot of them. So it was, okay, great. I'll, I'll keep beating you. <laughs> so it was... It was great. Hey, you, can't, you can't beat a male shot um, when, when you're in recruitment. <laughs> it always, always happens. No. And the uh, great thing about that is it's relevant for anyone's business, right? Putting in procedures and using technology to, to make things quicker and uh, be beating your competition in that. And, um, you know, obviously you, you've worked in several places now, Sydney, LA, you're now, um, you know, in Monaco. Can you talk to us about what inspires this travel and, you know, favorite places to work and live? Oh, I'm sick of traveling. I've got to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've moved house something like four times in the last four years. Um, um, 
we uh, travel was inspired this year by COVID. Um, and where was the safest place really for us and our children? Um, so we've decided on Monaco, whether that will be a, a long-term place or not. Um, we both do miss LA, um, but we just felt that Monaco had done very well through COVID. Um, it's a very safe place. So we, we came and just thought we're closer to home, uh, to London. Uh, I've not been close to London now for 10 years. So I thought it's nice to be around family and things like that in this time. And that was really sort of the whole sort of ethos behind moving here, really. Uh, we came here really on a whim. So, and then I just thought, well, if I'm here for a year, I can set up staffing properties in Europe as well. So that's kind of my sort of idea now is to get staffing properties open in Europe as well. Nice. And with COVID, it has helped a lot of companies to start setting up remote teams. I know a lot of my clients are now building remote teams across Europe. Um, you know, some of them don't feel like they're going to need an office in future. How have you found adapting to that? And is it something that you'll do post COVID as well? I think starting a business remotely is almost impossible. And the reason for that is it's okay if you've got some great recruiters, but what happens when they leave or they move on, um, as recruiters usually do? You then, how do you train to your standards? How do you know that your standards are being met? Um, I now, at the beginning, I've, I liked it. I now, I think a lot of people, if you said, I have missed the office so much. Just going in, I think we all miss human contact. So it's, I think a lot of people would agree with that. I really miss going to work. I actually, I, I enjoy going to an office actually. Um, do I think we'll ever be in an office full time? Probably not. Um, but I think you do still need to get that team together, get that team working together, collaborating. Um, I don't think a recruitment company works really if, you, if you've just got loads of silo recruiters. Um, it might in some sectors, uh, maybe. But I think in, in sort of this sector, I don't think it does. You need to be able to refer candidates and things like that. Yeah, for like high sales, you know, high intensity, you, you do need that energy. Now, there are times like, yeah, you're having a great day, but, you know, maybe like one or two hours a day, I'll probably be a little bit more relaxed than if I was in the office and around people. So I completely agree on, on the energy side. And um, you touched upon being closer to family at the moment. Now you're in Monaco. Uh, how, how do you find, you know, balancing work life with family and pleasure? Uh, when setting up your own business uh, and being your own boss? Well, it's been tough this year because our kids have been homeschooled for the whole year and we've got four kids. Um, so it's tough. Um, have I got... I think what I've learned this year is don't go too big. Don't, don't, don't judge yourself on where you are. The world is not in a good place. And I think that's kind of, I have to keep reminding myself that, um, that you can sit behind a computer all day, but I'm kind of looking at it and think, look, I'll do some work in the day, but it's probably more beneficial for me to teach my son how to play football or go and have a tennis lesson at some points. Yes, I'll give a, if I've gotten working on a job, give it 110%. Um, but I'm not looking to be snowed in with work at the moment while I'm working at home. Because to be honest with you, I don't think it's, it's feasible to, to work like that. It, it's too, you just put too much stress on yourself. And we had that at a point last year where we were snowed under with work. And I just thought this is, is silly because it, it's tough. We're working on different time zones. You're putting yourself under so much pressure. The clients then, you can't, you can't overpromise and under deliver to a client because then they'll never take you seriously. So I just take on jobs as they come in now, as, we've, as we fill our roles, we take some more jobs in. We fill the roles, we take some more jobs in. Um, and just keep it work-life balance almost. 
Now that that's not to say I want to keep it that way for the rest of my life. <laughs> that is just that's COVID while we are working from home. Um, yeah. Definitely, uh, as I say, I'm looking forward to being snowed under again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like when when COVID's, uh, you know, well we're back to normal. You know, kids are at school in the offices. You know, do, do you see yourself going back to you know like 12, 16 hours a day? Like, would you keep that up, or would you still keep trying to like make sure you're spending time with family and doing your own you know enjoyment activities on the side? I and I suppose this has come back to my working smart, working hard. I've never worked sixteen hour days. Oh, right. um, I have always been. We used to start work at nine till five in my old business. I used to, I'm an early riser. So I used to get there about 7.30, maybe eight o'clock and just, I'd be prepared and get myself. But I would, when I get there, I would make more calls than anyone. I actually used to look at how many calls the best person the company made and I would make sure I made more. And I just do it. It was a game that I challenged myself. But then when everyone's sitting there to eight, nine o'clock, I would leave at five o'clock on the docks. I didn't want to sit there. Um, I was very much, get my job done, get out. Still have a little bit of a laugh and joke and things like that, but not walking around the office and wasting time. If you can't, as a recruiter, in my opinion, get your work done in eight hours, you need to look at yourself and say, where are you going wrong? Because there'll be bits there where you're probably scrolling the internet for a good two hours, going and having a chat for an hour or an hour lunch. I never used to have lunch. I used to have it on my desk. I used to, didn't go and have breaks. I didn't drink coffee, like all them sort of things that cut down your time. But because I wanted that work-life balance where I could go home at five o'clock. So I was one of the biggest earners in the company and, and would leave at five. And I still am like that now. I'm very regimented with, right, I need to find these candidates. I'll maybe do that the night before, before I go to bed, just screen them, et cetera have it all set up for the next day. Very sort of regimented in the way I do things. And I think it, it works for me, but some people like to do it with having a break and things like that. that I, I think it's great as well. It just, it's not for me. Yeah, good. And um, going back to like more softer skills, uh, what soft skills, you know, whether it's mindset, confidence, building your network, you, would you advise anybody to work on before setting up their own company or, you know, growing their own ambitions? I think recruitment, you've got to be confident. I think we've all worked in offices, all the best billers. Let's just say that and I worked with a couple that were not the most confident people, actually. I think you've got to be confident in what you deliver. Actually, that's, that's probably better to say um, because it, there's a lot of confident people out there that are actually just not very good at it, that play around. Um, Confident in what you do. Um, and I always say to people, um, rather than trying to be a jack of all trades, take one thing, maybe just one role or three roles and become a master of them. Know everything about that role. Know all the candidates on the market in their positions. So then you are the person that they come to for that, for that position. Um, I think when I see some people, especially in sort of the business support area and they're, they're doing marketing, PAs, admins, reception, they, they've got all these different roles on that they never really get anywhere with all of them because you're better off to just do one and have them all in all the companies, um, in my opinion. But that I think when people talk to you, they then go, wow, this person knows what they're talking about for this position. Right. And um, good to hear about soft skills and key skills as well. And obviously with the work that you're doing, um, you know, I can tell you're probably working with a lot of high net worth individuals, people with their own businesses. Do you see any different, you know, like mindsets with them or, you know, anything which you could see like, yeah, you know, that makes them successful. That's how they got so far compared to people who are trying to get there. Do you know, it's really funny, actually. Um, the, a lot of people with what I do, we actually deal with some of the big, best business people in the world. Um, three of our clients are the top, three of the top business people in the world. And it's funny that a lot of people 
if they went into their company and they're recruiting, they would go through a lot of sort of protocol, everything like that to make sure they're the right person. When it comes to their own house, they're so much more laid back of who they take in. Oh yeah, maybe that'll do. Or I look at people that they've just re- let go maybe and that's why they've got us to come in to replace a role or something like that. And I go, how on earth has this person ever got working in this house? And I look and just think, well, I think a lot of it is they have house managers and things like that to do it. And maybe the house manager might not be qualified to run that house. Um, Cause I see that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite funny. You would be surprised at how poor some of the staff is in some homes and the businessman that's attached or woman that's attached. You think it would be, they would have the best of the best of the best. You come in and go, wow, this is a person, I know this candidate that works for you, and this person is a, a do not use. So it's, a, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, crazy really, not what you'd expect. Yeah, I thought, thought there'd be a lot more, um, you know, particular, a lot more thorough. Is it because they're so busy with their own work that they're not thinking about anything else? I think that's exactly it. I think they're very, have very busy lives um, with, it might be in charity work, it might be doing, running a global business. Um, we have one client who's a global businessman who does all the interviews himself actually, and he's very good. Um, and he said something to me, which I'll uh, uh, always remember. And he's, he's sort of the, the different, the trend actually, he bucks the trend because he's not like what I, I just described. And he said to me, Sam, I've interviewed, um, I interview every person that's ever been at my company uh, in high level positions. He said, I've interviewed probably over 10,000 people in in my time. He said, "Um, you will not pull the wall over my eyes. I only want the best. I will pay for the best, but do not send me rubbish because I will not use you. I said, I love it. That's great. That's, we know where we are. He knew what he wants. Basically, I'm a busy, busy man. Don't waste my time. I will. I only want the best. If you haven't got the best, don't send me anyone. And I thought that was he. He was very hands-on, though. And he has actually got some of the best staff. Yeah. And um, just bringing it back to something you spoke about earlier about you know how marketing yourself and, and doing your current work, um, you know, and staffing properties is leading to new opportunities such as that potential show coming up. Um, could you give a bit of an idea on what that show will involve? And, uh, you know, what, what opportunities that could lead to as well? Yeah, so we've, funny enough, I had three, three or four production companies come to me with the same idea. Um, I chose one, um, Critical Content and Renowned Films, um, because I like their vision of what they wanted to do. Um, I don't want it to be just a, a catty um, drama series. I want it to be... It will be on the business, on recruitment company, dealing with ultra high net worths. Um, I have to be very careful though, because obviously um, the confidentiality and privacy that's involved, um, my clients wouldn't want to be on TV saying that they have staff and things like that, especially in these times. So I needed to keep the creative control. So I've kind of worked out a way that I think I can get it to work. Um, where we can show you the life um, without showing you the people and things like that. So I think we can make it very, very interesting. And it will probably center around me and really my sort of every day. And that is something that my phone rings and, hey, Sam, in actual fact, I had it just before we got on a call. Hey, Sam, do you know of, if I can get a client into a hotel in Dubai? Um, okay, let me find out and things like that. So mine isn't just recruitment. It, last week it was, hey, Sam, have you got a boat that we could use for the summer? Have you got private jets? Have you got <laughs> these sort of things? So we'll bring that aspect into it as well. Um, and then showing, which is really showing how ultra high net worths live their life without sort of being specific people. That's quality. It's going to be like million dollar listing, but for recruitment. Well, that's exactly it. That was million dollar listing, I think is great, but they million dollar listing shows you the sale of the house and that's it. So ours is almost like a follow on 
of now they've got the house, let's show you how they live in it. So it's kind of, that's kind of the idea. And I, there's not really been a show. There's a show called Below Deck, which is about boats, which kind of, that kind of shows you the life on, on yachts in a bit more of a crazy way, dramafied, which I, I think is fun, but it's not what I really want to do because I've obviously, I don't want my business to be seen as that because it's not. Um, we're very serious about what we do and, and professional. So there will be fun elements to it and things like that. But it's uh, also, I want us to show us in the correct light rather than it just being amped up for TV. Yeah, nice. And um, <laughs> like, as a business owner, what's your typical day run like? You know, do you have any like non-negotiables that you do? Or, you know, like such as keeping your fitness in there or you know, is, is every day different? Yeah, mine... Mine is definitely um, get up and go to the gym in the morning. Uh, I find for me, once I've done that, I have a shower, I'm ready. Um, also getting dressed for the day um, is, I think it's such a stupid thing, but it's so easy when we're working from home to sit in your pajamas or t-shirts, shorts. I think when you, you put a, especially if some days like I'm doing Zooms and I haven't done it tonight, but it's a, I put a shirt on and things like that. You feel like you're going to work. Yeah, you 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 can easily slip away from it by not by getting into bad habits. I think I take my lunch at the same time every single day. Um, my dinner at the same time every single day. So my my life is very structured, um, and I personally need structure. And um, I like that you touched upon the gym there. Obviously, you know, see a lot of entrepreneurs who come on the show speak about the importance of keeping fit, helps you keep your mind fit. Did you feel that that helps give you better, you know, impact throughout your day to work better and work smarter? Yeah, I do. For me, 100%. Um, I think when I don't go to the gym, I feel a lot more lazy. I, I usually find my eating habits get worse as well. Um, so I, I try and keep eating right um throughout the week and and the gym the gym helps me i think i'm a very early riser um so i like to go to gym very early i I actually if you a lot of time i couldn't uh, my brother-in-law jay is the complete opposite to me he works all the way through the night which i find insane um but he he likes it because he's got no distractions but he will work till 3 a.m in the morning uh, computers but he'll get up a little bit later and he goes to gym at night now if you if you paid me to do that i could not do it it's impossible for me um but i like i'm up at six o'clock most mornings we eat our breakfast as a family together i go to the gym then i start work um but i'm also doing things when i'm laying in bed at night and things like that um i think i've got there's not much tv anymore really is there well i'm uh, i'm a big football fan so uh, if there's football on, I'm watching it. But from now, there's not really TV to sit and watch. So I actually prefer to work because it just keeps you. Otherwise, I just get so bored. Yeah. I've seen on your Instagram, you're a big, big West Ham fan. Uh, Moyes is doing all right this season. Oh, I can't believe it. We, we had this conversation. I actually backed West Ham to go down this year. Oh, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Um, and we had a joint bet earlier in the year that they would lose their first eight games of the season. Well, we couldn't have got it more wrong. Um, We all said the other day on a group chat, though, if West Ham managed to get in the Champions League or win the FA Cup this year, how bad would it be that you couldn't go? (laughs) It may be the only time in our lifetime that it might happen and you wouldn't be able to go. Like that, we were... I don't honestly think we're going to win the FA Cup or get in the Champions League. But we were just saying, imagine it did happen and you couldn't go. It would be heartbreaking for us, I think. I'm a massive Almost Man better United. that we don't do it. Yeah, I'm a man, massive Manchester United fan and um, hopefully uh, Lingard does all right for you. Yeah, signed today. I'm, I'm, I think Man United fans probably not that bothered about Jesse Lingard. Um, but... West Ham fans, I think we're all quite happy with that signing. I think, look, maybe he's not a top club player, but I think he'd do well for us. Um, hopefully. I know he's had a few, he's had a bit of a bad time the last um, couple of years with family problems and things like that. A lot of read about him, actually. He sounds actually quite an, a, a decent guy. Um, 
who's had a bit of a hard time, I think, because everyone looks at his social media. <laughs> um, which, and I've judged him on that as well in the past. Um, but then when I've heard of what he's done for his brother's sister's mother and things like that, you think, well, actually, he's a young guy with a lot of pressure on him and he's doing that. I think a move for him could be good, especially, I think, coming to London with everything shut will probably be good because a lot of guys can come to London and, and sort of get lost. Um, but I think it'd be good. I think David Moyes would be good for him. I think yeah. he hopefully gets him back on track because he can play football. Yeah, he, he, always, he was always like in and out of form. I remember there was like a two-month period under Mourinho where, he, you know, they, they were comparing him to Iniesta. <laughs> you know, yeah. he just like scoring. But then, you know, after that, he just, just went downhill. But I suppose it's, it's a lot of pressure on, uh, you know, being at Old Trafford. So fingers crossed he picks it back up. Yeah, I think, look, being a Manchester United player is very different. Um, when I look at, I, I, I secretly love to watch Manchester United, but obviously they're a team of the 90s, so it's in 2000. So it, I love watching them and I kind of hate seeing Man United shit. <laughs> so it's, um, I don't think they're there yet, even though they were one of my tips this year if they'd have bought a couple of players, but I don't, I think they're a bit off, if I'm honest with you. I think they'll fall away. Um, I don't think they've got enough leaders in that team. Um, but it'd be good to see him back up in, in that top four area challenging again because it needs them. They're a massive club. Fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully we, we get some, you know, top players like, you know, Cavani, Bruno, Pogba and, and start getting yeah. back on top. But um, sorry to deviate. I, I could make a whole podcast <laughs> about football alone. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what are the things outside? that to no. And um, <laughs> before we go into the like the final round, um, is there any other like tips or advice uh, that you have for people who really you know want to start being you know do more in business in their careers or you know improving on themselves? I think my advice after this year is do all the basics. Um, in whatever you do, don't moan it's not going well if you're not doing the basics. Have you got an Instagram? Have you got a LinkedIn? Uh, are you posting on LinkedIn? Have you got Twitter? Maybe, maybe not. But these little things: are you are you visual? Are you? Can people see you? Can do people know what you do? Um, and I think that's what I would say. If you're not doing all these things and then moaning, oh, I'm not getting any business. Are you doing enough? I think that's what people should look at. How much? are you willing to put in of yourself? And I think years ago, you didn't have to be too out there to do well at business. Now you do. People want to know who they're doing business with now. Um, they want to see their face. They want to, I like this guy. I like his views on things. I think keep your views a little bit neutral, um, but give yourself a bit of personality. Like exactly, look, you know that I love West Ham. So I put that out there. I like... Uh, that might, if you're a Tottenham fan or something like that, you Millwall fan, you probably would never deal with me. Um, but I'm okay with that because I don't want their money anyway. The, <laughs> but the, um, but that I think people then see you've got a bit of personality. You are a normal guy. You like the football as well. Exactly. You can you can connect by, hey Sam, I see you like West Ham. I'm a West Ham fan. A lot of people do that to me actually. I'm a West Ham fan as well. I'm in your industry. Can we do some business together? I think that's what. People are so afraid of hearing no. And I've been there as well. Oh, should I send this message to them or anything like that? Just do it is my, my thing. Um, I've asked things this year of sort of just, hey, would you want fancy doing an Instagram live or something like that? And people said, yeah, okay. And I'm like, oh, well, I thought they were going to say no. But if I hadn't have asked, I wouldn't have done it. So it's... If I, as I say, I, if I hadn't have done an Instagram live, I wouldn't have got the Wall Street Journal um, and I wouldn't have a TV show. So you've got to put yourself out there, in my opinion, um, in whatever you do. That's brilliant. No, that, that's great advice. Love that. And, um, you know, I personally found that, you know, I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago, um, how doing this podcast is nothing to do with uh, project development in renewable energy. But now it's sort of led to me doing that, which is a much bigger picture and yourself with the TV show. So anybody watching this, yeah, you know, now, now's a great time with 
social media and all the tools we have available for free. That's exactly it. We're not having to pay for them. You can, you can look at other people's social medias and just copy things you like. Like the things I post, I post houses that I find on other people's Instagrams. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not recreating the will and I tag them in it. Um, yeah. So it's not that I'm going out getting all these massive content for myself and things like that, but I'm creating, if you look at my Instagram, there's a little bit of me and my family, not too much. And then it's about houses. It's about what I do. It's not all about West Ham because otherwise people will follow me. You just like West Ham. <laughs> um, that there's a bit of personality in there, but I think you have to show a little bit of you because people will want to connect with that person on a way of, Oh, they like sports. I like sports. We can do business together. And humans, that's why I don't ever think robots will replace recruiters. I agree. People I know people. people say, oh, you say that because you don't want it to happen and it's going to happen. I, and I've heard this all, all my life, but I do not believe that they will ever, especially in my industry of house staff, they can't get personality. Robot cannot tell you about the person's personality. A human can. That's it. People buy from people. It's so important. Yes. Great. All right, last round is uh, a quick fire. So uh, you can answer within you know, a word to a sentence. It just helps us get, get a bit of a better uh, background to yourself. First question, what does success mean to you? Oh, making my family happy. What is your one key skill which has helped you get to where you are today? Being funny. <laughs> what, who is your biggest mentor uh, in business to date? I think my old boss, Mark Smith. And if you were having a dinner and could invite any three people, past or present, who would they be? Cool. That's a good one. Elvis Presley, the Queen, and Bobby Moore. Right. And final question. What is your why? My what? Why? Or like your purpose, like your ambition and goal. What is my ambition and goal? Um, global domination within the recruitment market, obviously. The, uh, um, yeah, no, uh, I think just to be, look, my, my purpose, it changed, it's probably changed a lot this year. And it's to just be happy in what I'm doing, um, really now. If I'm happy doing what I'm doing, money was always very important to me. It's less important now. Great, love that. And uh, if anyone wants to follow you, you know, find your social media, where can they go? Actually, I'll have to check it out. It's called uh, Sam Palmer Official is my Instagram. <laughs> I couldn't think of the name there. Um, business one is Staffing Properties. Um, that's where I really am. They've got on there. Um, we're, we're, we're starting YouTubes and podcasts and things like that, but that's not up there yet. Hopefully, by the time this airs, it'll all be out there. Wicked. Love that. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, really appreciate your time. And for everybody listening, um, please like, share, subscribe. And look forward to the next episode. Cheers, Sam. Perfect. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Cheers, mate. Take care. Bye.